0: What is up, boxing fans, man? Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon and Boxing. Welcome to the new year, 2024. Same show, same host, baby. My name's Jeff, and this is episode 39. And today, we're going to break down this weekend's fight for you guys. Virgil Ortiz, back in the ring, goes up to 154 to try to stay healthy, guys. We saw this young man. He is a superstar and an absolute unbelievable guy to watch in the ring, man. I really believe his talent is unbelievable but he just couldn't stay healthy at 147 and it's good to see him healthy back made weight yesterday for the first time in over 17 months man been a year and five months out of the ring guys so it's good to see Virgil back he'll have a tough little competition with uh, Lawson this weekend that will challenge him but I don't think it will give me much trouble we'll get into that and much more uh, in later into the show man but like I said but at the end of the year We want to do some different things here on Bourbon and Boxing. We started a new segment called Bourbon Review of the Week, man, where I'm going to review one bourbon every week for you guys. Try something different. It's not going to be the same bourbon, um, you know, that you guys are used to drinking. I'm going to try to venture out, find different bourbons, give you a little bit of background on them, uh, get in a little detail on those bourbons, and give you my true thoughts on how I think about them. And then you can take it from there. You want to buy it. You don't want to buy it. Uh, Whatever you want to do. But look let's get into this show baby and there's only one way to start bourbon and boxing right take a swig of bourbon baby (sighs) we got some woodford reserved today now this is not the bourbon i will be reviewing this is just the bourbon i'm drinking on today now early last week i decided to go after what everybody's been telling me about guys. The hype on this bourbon has been built up for me for quite a bit of while so I decided to go out and give it a try. It's called Angel's Envy. Now everybody told me you gotta go out, you gotta try this bourbon. It's amazing. Uh and I just tried Heaven's Door before that. Heaven's Door was a super impressive bourbon, man. Lived up to the hype. Everything about it was just amazing. One of my favorite all time bourbons, Heaven's Door. So I would decide, okay, let's go get some Angels Envy, give it a try, and see what the hype is on it, guys. So, here we go, man. Our bourbon in review this week is Angels Envy. Uh, it's a classification of a straight bourbon finished in port wine barrels. The company is Bacardi Limited. Distillery says undisclosed, but guys, it's in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. It's not really fucking undisclosed. It's a big ass goddamn sign on it. Um, so, it's not really an undisclosed location like they claim you can find it easily. Uh, The mash bill on it is 72% corn, 18% rye, 10% malted uh, barley, and the price usually runs you about 50-55. We'll talk about that price later because I'm going to get into detail about this bourbon. First we're going to go into adding on to this segment. Man, I want to get more into depth with these bourbons. Kind of really tell you not just about the bourbon, but the background of the bourbon, man. Where it was originated from, when it got started, how long they've been around, Uh, All that fun stuff. So, Angel's Envy, let's get into the background story for it. Angel's Envy was founded by Wes Henderson, son of late industry icon Lincoln Henderson. Um, Made its first appearance in 2011, and we have seen uh, three ongoing uh, expressions. So far, strength, strength and bourbon finished in port barrels, and then bourbon finished in port barrels. And rye finished in rum cask. Uh, 2015, Bacardi uh, Limited acquired the company, and in 2016, the company opened their Louisville distilled location, which it says, you know, it's an undisclosed location, but then it tells you in the details where the fuck the location is at. It literally says Louisville Distilling Location in downtown Louisville. So not much of a hidden thing. I don't know why they don't want to disclose when they tell you anyways where it's from. Stupid. Stupid. But look, man, most of the batches are 8 to 12 barrels at a time. Uh, company states that the bourbon is typically aged 6 years, then finished in a ruby port wine cask for additional 3 to 6 months, guys. So that, it gives it a little extra time after that 6-year mark, uh, a little bit more time in some port wine casks. Uh, okay, let's give you my thoughts on this. Now, like I said, I this bourbon was super hyped up for me. And everybody talked about it. Now, most of the bourbons that have been referred to me have lived up to what people have said they would. Uh, You know, everybody told me Uncle Nearest was really good, and it was amazing. Everybody told me Heaven's Door was really good, and it was amazing. Uh, Buffalo Trace lived up to the name. So, when I hear, when people tell me about it, I look forward to trying it, and I don't want to be upset by it. So, I'm hoping, you know, when I try these, they're as good as what they say. Uh, but let me give you my thoughts on it on Angel's Envy's guy. Angels Envy has a light oak, vanilla, and slight uh, slight touch of berry jam. A touch of sweet syrup. It's not a flavorful bourbon. The eighty six point six proof does it no favors. Light sense and uh focus must be honed in to be able to sift through what is present. Lacks the impact I like in my bourbon. So it doesn't have that Nice little punch to it uh, that I like from my bourbons. That little uh, that little strength, that a little bit more oaky taste for me. Uh, a little bit more manly taste is what I like. Um, I'd have to say it's an average bourbon that presents itself as a premium product. That's just my opinion, guys. Uh, buzz lacks that kick. Not a great sipping bourbon. If you're looking for a good buzz, for me personally, was slightly disappointed in Angel's Envy. Especially the hype surrounding it. I would give this bourbon... And 85, at best. So, I mean, guys, I I went in open-minded for this bourbon. Most of the time, the hype lives up, but I cannot say that I am a fan of Angel's Envy. Uh, like I said, it presents itself as a premium product, and it's not. It's not up there even with Woodford uh, Reserve, who I think is a premium type product. Uh, the other ones that I named are premium products. The angels envy is not a premium product the taste lacks flavor lacks doesn't have a strong aftertaste uh... leaves you wanting more doesn't have a great buzz to it uh... the and like i said the eighty six percent proof doesn't do it any justice it lacks that flavor uh... and it just it's an overall man the price is way too high for this bourbon uh... like i said before it, it, it's not a premium bourbon uh... It is literally, it, you know, it presents itself at that. <clears throat> but I don't think the price definitely doesn't live up to what you hear about this bourbon. This bourbon should honestly be priced around 25, 30 bucks at, at best. Uh, the, the, the proof is terrible. The percentage, the buzz isn't that great. The flavor lacks. Uh, just not my favorite bourbon guys uh, angel envy on uh, like i said eighty five at best and that's me being generous with it because it was told to me and everybody's so high on it so i'll give it an eighty five at best it really deserves an eighty in my opinion because it just lacks a lot but i don't want to down on it too much i did try it disappointed in the price the price needs to lower on it i wouldn't buy it again not for not for the price not for fifty dollars i would not buy this bourbon not when i can get Heaven's Door for fifty-five, and it's ten times way better, a hundred times way better than Angels Envy. So if I can get something like Heaven's Door, if I'm going to go up to that fifty-dollar price in my bourbon, then I'm going to go after something that has a good pr- proof to it and percentage to it. It's got to at least be a hundred fifty if you're going to be charging fifty dollars and above. I've been seeing so many bourbons on the shelf at eighty-six percent, under ninety proof, and pricing their bourbons at fifty dollars, fifty four bucks and yeah you know, I just if you're not a hundred proof fifty percent once it gets fifty dollars or more, I want shit to do with you. And I, that that's how I'm gonna limit it from here on out. If you're not a hundred proof at fifty percent and you're selling your bourbon at fifty dollars or higher, well you can just kiss my ass, man, because it's not gonna be worth it. I like a nice strong buzz bourbon. This bourbon Woodford Reserve, literally 32 bucks, guys, $32 for this bourbon, and it absolutely puts Angel's Envy to shame. It's way better than Angel's Envy. The taste, everything about it, just so much better, and it's way cheaper. We're talking almost $20 difference in price between the two, and this one blows Angel's Envy out the water, guys. So that is my review on the bourbon this week, man. That is my segment, Bourbon of the Week, man. Tune into that one. Okay, like I said, this week we only got one main card, but it is a good, young, up-and-coming superstar fighter that has held, had a few health issues the last year uh, or so, and we watched him not be able to make weight. He's been in the hospital due to stomach issues, uh, stuff that could end your career as a boxer. And a lot of it had to do with the weight that he was trying to fight at at welterweight at 147 and his body just wasn't I mean Virgil obviously walks around about 170 so for him to put his body through what he was putting it through to try to make 147 just wasn't doing well for him and almost put him out of boxing completely so it's great to see Virgil Ortiz back in the ring at 154 a weight that seems to sit on him very well he made weight today for the first time in 17 months so that was great to see uh him on the scales looking healthy looking nice i think this uh fight against uh who's he fighting uh frederick lawson if i'm correct lawson good fighter but nothing special a great way to introduce ortiz to the 154 to get his feet wet and kind of see where he's at right now since he's been out of the ring but if you watch roger ortiz then you know that he's a very special fighter I love the way this kid goes to the body and his combinations all the way around because he sets you up with going to your body to open up the head, which I just don't get why a lot of boxers don't take that route, you know, the body route, head route. The body's always going to open up the head for the big shots. That's what Virgil likes to do. He likes to get your body hurting so you start going down to protect your body, and then he comes up with some nice uppercut combinations that he uses to take you out of the fight, man, and he is something special to watch. Before he got, uh, before before he went to the hospital and he had health issues, he was definitely an up and coming superstar in the sport. So I'd like to see what he can do, what what he's able to do in this fight coming up. Now, guys, this is something. here I'm sorry I got a little distracted there because I came across what I call gold, in my opinion. If you guys have Tubi. It's an app. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. Tubi, TV, it has a bunch of movies, all that kind of, and tons of free stuff. Like, unbelievable amounts of free stuff. But on their live channels, they have live television on there too. They have a top-ranked, classics, 24-hour, seven-days-a-week boxing channel, guys. When's the last time we saw that? When's the last time we saw a station give you 24-hour boxing? 2BTV's doing that. It's amazing. I've done watched Floyd Mayweather fight three times. I've watched Tim Bradley on his third fight right now. Uh, fighting the third fight. I've seen him fight already today. I have not turned it off of this top-ranked classic on 2BTV. Super impressed with it. So tune into that, guys, if you're looking for 24-hour boxing. I love to have boxing in the background while I'm cleaning, doing things, cooking dinner, getting my kids ready, whatever. Getting them, I have it on in the background just to hear. And this channel provides me with that, without having to go to YouTube, find fights, keep restarting another fight, it just plays them on man. Twenty-four hours of non-stop fights, top-ranked classics, and it's just not top-ranked fights. Like I said, Floyd was on there. Uh, it shows pretty much all fights uh, that have already happened. It doesn't, you know, Showtime, HBO, old HBO fights, Showtime fights, uh, you know, all platforms. So it's pretty cool to see. Check it out on Tubi, guys. Uh, you can download that app on your TV for free. Doesn't cost you anything. Uh, doesn't cost you anything to use it either. That's one thing that I love about it. But back to what I was saying about the Ortiz versus Lawson fight, man. I don't think Frederick Lawson stands much of a chance, and I expect uh, Virgil Ortiz to put on a show because he has to put his name. He was so close to getting him getting himself a belt if he would have fought Styanis, which I thought, hey, that's still a 50-50 fight. That would have been as tough as battle uh, against Styanis, in my opinion. And he would have had an opportunity at a belt. Now he's got to put his name back in there. He's got to kind of restart everything, man. He's been out. He's got to prove himself at 154 the way he did at 147. I think he's going to be able to do that. I think he's a great addition to the 154 uh weight class. I mean, come on, guys. You got Tim DeZo up there. You got Charlo up there. Adding a guy like him as Spence moves up and Crawford moves up. Adding Ortiz to that mix is just only going to make it even better. 154 is looking at possibly a great weight division this year Uh, was really quiet last year outside of Tim Cazoo and then Charlo moving up to fight Canelo but outside of that the division was rather quiet guys so let's hope we get more activity out of that division this year with Virgil being there. Virgil wants to fight three times this year guys. He's not aiming towards a title he says at the moment Uh, but I think if you see big things out of him in his next two fights he could possibly, his third fight might be a title chance fight Uh, So we'll see how that goes for him, man. There is a nice little undercard on that. Let's get into the undercard for it. Uh, You're going to have O'Hara Davis versus Ishmael Barosa. We all saw Barosa. His last fight was against uh, Roley Romero, who we all clearly saw that he was beating Romero. And then for some odd reason, Romero starts to go on this ninth round uh, throwing – what I called ghost punches wasn't landing, and then the ref stops the fight and gives it to Romero, which was absolutely ridiculous. and a robbery, on but it was the biggest robbery of the year, hands down, the biggest robbery of twenty twenty three had to be that Romero versus Barosa fight. And here Romero is walking around with a belt like he's a champion. He, <laughs> I don't like that kid one bit. I think out of all the all the fighters out there that have a belt. He's the worst belt holder out there, uh, and I don't really like to talk down about fighters, but I think Rowley is just an overhyped fighter whose mouth keeps him in the industry. That's what keeps him entertaining—is his mouth. But then when he gets in the ring, he's a fucking boring ass fighter, and he doesn't live up to anything that he says. Uh, he doesn't fight any way that, that his mouth doesn't justify his fighting. He, it doesn't match up. He's got a bigger mouth than he does hands. Uh, but on that, like I said, Barossa's on that undercard. He will get a chance, but O'Hara O'Hare Davis, uh, he is a tough young fighter. So I don't know if Barossa gets this win, but this is a tough challenge, challenge for Davies. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough fight for him. Uh, also on that, you're going to get Honor Bar- uh, Barbosa. I'm big on him at the uh, uh, 140. I think he's a good fight for anybody like Tao and them. The guy he's fighting, I'm not even going to pretend – to be able to announce this guy's fucking name It starts with an His last name is N-D-O-N-G-E-N-I How the fuck would I even start pronouncing that? Sorry, some of these guys, they should go by a fucking nickname or something Sonny That's what we'll call this guy, Sonny Because that name is just I'm not even going to start butchering it, dude It just will ruin my whole show And I don't want to start recording, re-recording this show right now Just over one name so just know our Bar- uh, Barbosa Jr. will be fighting on the card, uh, and I like him a lot at 140. think he could be a great fight for Subaru M- Matea. I think that would be a great fight, honestly, uh, both being able to prove themselves against each other. And I know everybody wants Teo to fight Subaru, and everybody wants Haney to fight. I think Subaru Shibura Matea needs to prove himself a little bit more before he goes up against the big guys. Uh Also, you got Raul Carell versus Elias Diaz on the, uh, that'll be the first fight of the night. That'll be the opening fight. And then, of course, the, uh, the, uh, co-main, the co-event will be the O'Hara Davies versus Ishmael Barroso, Barroso, which we also Like I said, Barroso, who claims to be 40 years old, but come on, dude, you're not 40 years old. You're more like 60, uh. Really old, but that said, hey, he's in great shape for that age, for 50 years old, 60, whatever he is. He's not 40, bro. I can tell you that right now. Anybody thinks that guy is 40 years old or believes he is, and why he would just say, I and mean, just say your age, man. There's there's nothing in boxing that says, oh, you're 60, you can't fight. You know, you look 60 and they, they keep giving you fights. I'm pretty sure the only reason you got this fight was because they ripped you off in your last fight, also. But hopefully. We see that same guy, so that would be a tough, very tough test for Davies uh, coming in as a younger fighter, trying to get his name out there and uh, prove himself at the 140 division also. Uh, let's go into the fight details of this. You're going to watch this on the Zone. It's going to be tomorrow, January 6th. It's going to be located in the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas. It's going to be about an 8 p.m. start time here in the U.S. Pacific, or, yeah, Pacific time. Alright, where's my boxing news at, man? Uh, well, look at that. I have lost me my boxing news. Alright, hold on, guys. We're going to pause this. Alright, guys, I am back. Now, look, I was going to go into my boxing news, but before I do that, uh, let's give my sponsor a little bit of love, Brown Family Construction. For all your construction needs, try Brown Family Construction in the northern Kentucky and Cincinnati area. You can reach out to Jason Brown on Facebook. You get all your information from him, and he'll take care of all your construction needs there, Brown Family Construction, where the name says it all, Brown Family Construction. Sorry, guys. (sighs) A little out of breath there. I had to run up steps, find this damn boxing newspaper, all that stuff. So let's take a drink of bourbon, collect ourselves, man. Holy shit balls, Batman. How the hell did I lose this boxing newspaper? Like, what the? Sam's hell. But anyways, man, before I do go on my boxing news also, I definitely got to give the women's boxing some love. I didn't do that on my awards show. Uh, My female boxer of the year I had planned out. I forgot all about it. My female fighter of the year I had planned out and didn't get to any of that. Of course, my female fighter of the year has to be Amanda Serrano. She fought three times. She was the first female to do 12. Three-minute rounds, made history, unified a 7th division, guys, a 7th division she unified. So Amanda Serrano, hands down, female boxer of the year. No doubt about it. And like I said, her and Katie Taylor have to be the next fight in 2024. We have to see those two ladies fight for the second time. uh, And I'd love to see 12 three-minute rounds on that also for both of them. Katie said mixed feelings from Katie Taylor on it. Early in the year, in 2023, she said she didn't believe that females should fight 12 three-minute rounds, but then later in the years after fighting Chantel Cameron, she said that, yeah, she would fight 12 three-minute rounds against Amanda Serrano. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes when it comes to negotiation. Things may change, but I feel like that's got to be the female fight of the year coming up in 2024, those two, but my female fighter of the year, definitely 100% Amanda Serrano, three times fighting, three times dominating, 12 three three-minute rounds making history unifying her seventh division there's no questions to ask about that guys but also let's get to our female fight of the year obviously Chantel uh, Cameron versus Katie Taylor 2 Katie got the win in that fight and I thought it was kinda controversial could have went to Chantel if they would have given her that first round knockdown I think it might have went to her but these two ladies they fought it they fought a hell of a fight they beat the shit out of each other and that was a female fight of the year, uh, Cameron versus Katie Taylor. And uh, we just found out today that Katie will uh, stay as a unified 140, but she's going to drop her WBO and IBF titles. Uh, I don't. I think in that division, or maybe the 135. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't think she should stay at 140. I think those girls are too big for her. She should stay at 135. That's her more natural weight. But that's just my opinion. Anyways, Amanda Serrano. Female fighter of the year and Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron the female fight of the year felt shitty that I didn't give the females their love because I always preach about female boxing I always support female boxing I've got daughters uh, my youngest six-year-old loves to box so we watch the female fights together and I've seen such a, an improvement in women's boxing in the last five years especially uh, and what they've done in the sport, just unbelievable talents like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Alicia Bum- Gardner, uh Sky Nichols, you know, girls like that. Uh, Michaela Mayer, uh, you got the big fight coming up next weekend, I think, or the week after that. Jones versus Mayer, which is going to be a hell of a fight. Those two ladies are great fighters. Um, uh, you know, Jessica Moscow. just some great talent in the female division, so I felt really crappy that I left them out of my award show. Uh, They definitely deserved to have been part of that, and I apologize to all the females out there who might have watched and wanted to hear that from me, and I apologize for leaving them out, man. But alright, man, let's get to our boxing news. There is a little bit of boxing news that, of course, we wanted to hear some fights that are being made uh, and are signed, done deals, and that we're going to get very, very soon. It looks like Teofima Lopez has signed on to fight Jermaine Ortiz. Uh, that's going to go down February 8th with the co-main event of that being uh, Keyshawn Davis. He's going to be fighting Jose uh, Pedraza, and that's going to be Davis Keyshawn's toughest test by far. So I'm lo- looking forward to that. It's been announced for February 8th, set for February 8th. I think that's going to be a hell of a card right there, especially... Uh, Jose Pedraza, who I favor against Keyshawn Johnson. I like Keyshawn a lot, but Jose is a hell of a fighter. Uh, Pedra- Pedraza getting a good chance under his uh, belt there against a good young up-and-coming guy and Keyshawn's first test. So let's see. maybe he proves me wrong, And but what I saw from him in his previous fights, I just feel like he's lacking a little bit of the power that's needed to be the guy in the sport. So... Especially at 135, man. It's so loaded in that division. So, so loaded, guys. Like, unbelievably loaded. Uh, all right, let's get to some other boxing news. Big, big announcement. Pretty much set today is when I heard it. Anthony Josh, Joshua will take on Francis Nganné. Uh This fight is set for March 9th. That's just rumors on the date. It's not a set date but that's when they're saying they'd like to do it is around the same time that they were going to have the Wilder versus Joshua fight, which has now been pushed away. And I think that fight can still happen by summertime, but it's going to come down to uh, what happens through this first part of the year, pretty much, because uh, it is being announced or rumored also that Wilder will be fighting Zhang on that same card as a co-main event. Now, if you get Wilder and Zhang, that's a good chance for Wilder to completely redeem himself and a good chance for Zhang to show that he's not a one- sh- like just beating a guy like, uh, God, who did he beat? Joyce. Joyce, just beating a guy like Joe Joyce, who I've never been a big fan of, Joyce. And uh, Zhang's only other top-ten fight was against uh, Her- Hergovic, who, you know, that was a tough fight, and I'd love to see those guys actually fight each other for a second time, Zhang and Hergovic, because that was a great fight. Uh, Herkowitz came out with the win in that fight. So Zang, 40 years old, only has two top ten fights on his resume. Uh, he lost one, and he won two Two of those fights against Joyce, who, both fights against Joyce, who I'm not big on. I just think he's overrated. But this is a chance for Wilder to redeem himself and Zang to show that he is the real deal, and he deserves a chance at Anthony Joshua. And I think that's what could happen if Wilder beats Zhang. Which, if he fights the way he did against Parker, that's not going to happen because Zang is just as good, if not a better fighter, than Parker is uh, boxing-wise. So he's got a lot more to his arsenal. So I would actually favor Zhang in that fight. But let's say Wilder does happen to win. And I think Anthony Joshua is going to beat Ngannou because now we got a little bit of tape on Ngannou, And Anthony Joshua fought beautiful in his last fight. And if he continues to fight like that and he stays active, He's gonna I think he's gonna beat Ngana and Ghana's gonna get a his first true uh test at boxing. I don't know what the fuck happened to Fury. Uh, you know, I know there was no tape and he says, Hey, there wasn't any tape. It was hard to fight a guy with no tape and I I know that's true. That it's hard to, if you don't know what a guy's gonna bring to the table, it's hard to know what he what he brings. But I think as a boxer in Fury he has to be disappointed with that uh You know what he did in the ring that night—just terrible. He wasn't that—he kind of looked like Wilder, just inactive. Wasn't throwing punches. Was waiting for uh, something that he could possibly counter to land a big punch, and you know that just makes for a boring fight in my opinion. But Engane versus Anthony Joshua, I think is an interesting fight. Joshua is a great boxer, and I think he's going to pose a lot of trouble for uh, Engane, especially if Ngane isn't active. And he's doing what he get, did against Fury because I think that's what lost him that fight against Fury. wasn't that Fury beat him? It was that Ngannou just wasn't active enough. He had two rounds where he where he was active, seventh round, ninth round, whatever. Uh, the knockdown in the second round. He was active in two or three rounds, but then he just kind of waited and had You know, they're saying you got to throw punches. Uh, it's boxing. It's not MMA. You got to throw some punches in there. Uh, to make to make you know to make yourself relevant to to have a chance to win the fight, and I think if he had thrown his hands more against a guy like Fury, especially you know more of the rounds been more active, he could have won that fight just because Fury wasn't that active himself. But he was just active enough to beat Ngane who wasn't as active. So you know it cost him it cost itself that fight. But we'll see what Ingunn brings to the ring against Anthony Joshua. Who's been a more active fighter? This would be his fourth fight basically within a year. Uh going into March. He had fought four times within a year pretty much, guys. So pretty impressed with Joshua's activity, staying in the ring, keeping himself busy, active. I like that. He has impressed me. I was not a big Joshua fan just over a year ago. But within twenty twenty three, he impressed me, guys. Uh I like what I see from him and at first, I said I didn't think he could ever be a champion again, but I think Anthony Joshua can be a champion again if he gets his mentality right. The guy loves boxing. He loves the sport of boxing, so I think he can do anything he wants in the sport if he puts his mind to it, and he's really sold on it. But Usyk is a tough fighter who I think beats Perry in both of those fights, possibly. So you could get an Anthony Joshua versus Usyk, three. And it's hard to beat a guy who beats you twice. It's a mental thing, guys. Uh... In your mind, you just think you can't beat this guy. Uh, but like I said, that was announced today. Of course, Haney versus Garcia. That fight is supposedly in talks. It's been in talks uh, pretty much since the end of Haney's last fight. You know, Garcia saying, hey, I want that. Uh, you know, Golden Boy wants to the course. Oscar, we're going to get this fight done. Don't believe a fucking word that cokehead motherfucker tells you. Trust me on that. Anything Oscar tells you is bullshit. But there have been a lot of talks with Haney being over with Matchroom. It'll be an easy fight to make with Golden Boy. Uh, But I think it's not a good fight for Ryan Garcia to take at this point. I think Ryan should be taking the fight against Jose Ramirez, who just signed on with Golden Boy. I think matching those two up against each other would be a great, great fight. I think Jose uh, Ramirez would beat Ryan Garcia. But I think Devin Haney will destroy Ryan Garcia will destroy not just beat him, beat him bad, make him look stupid, and end this young man's career. So I don't know if that's the fight, even though the money might be there, which I don't know if the money's going to be there, guys. How are you going to pay for this fight? Both are going to want a big payday. Haney's a champ. Garcia's, you know, the uh, social media champ. So, you know, they're both gonna want big money for this fight. Let's see if they can fork that money up to get both of these guys paid to get it done. But I think it's a bad choice for Ryan. I think he should back up, do kinda do what Anthony Joshua was doing. Take that fight he took and then take another up and coming fight. Go against a guy like Jose Ramirez, which I think beats him, uh anyways. But I think going there, Devin Haney's not a big smart career choice for Ryan Garcia at this point. And I know Oscar don't give a fuck because that contract's up I think March of this year. So Oscar don't give a shit if Ryan loses or not, he's going to get one more big payday off of this kid and if it's Devin Haney, that's what he's going to do and then they'll drop Ryan. Ryan won't sign back with Golden Boy, but you can guarantee that Oscar's going to try to milk that cow as long as he can because that's what Oscar does, man. He's the new Don King. Except where at least Don King put on big fights. Oscar just puts on shit fights half the time and then tries to convince you that they're the greatest fights you ever seen in your life. Wow, we put on the best cards. Ooh, the best cards in the world. Let me do this one more line of coke, guys. Oscar. Fuck you, Oscar. Seriously. Sorry, guys. Got a little colorful with the language there. Just when certain guys like, you know, promoters like Oscar just... And Golden Boy, even Bernard Hopkins, both of these guys are just... Not good for the sport of boxing, man. Uh, I mean, they showcase that with how they treated Ryan Garcia within the last year. You don't do that with your own fighter. You don't badmouth your own fucking guy and then, you know, basically hope you can bring a guy in, Oscar Duarte, that can beat him and shit, and you're rooting for Oscar against your biggest pay cow in your whole fucking stable, and you're you're hoping that he loses again. Like, it's just not smart business. Uh, but I think they know Ryan's not coming back, so why not get one more big payday? put him up against Devin Haney, where he's going to get absolutely demolished, in my opinion. I don't think he stands a chance against Devin. They did fight, like, six times in the amateurs. I don't know what the outcome was on that. But Devin is, I think, now, Devin is just completely... See, that's the difference in fighters, in my opinion. They both fought in the amateurs six times, whatever. I think Ryan beat him a couple. He beat Ryan a couple, whatever. But the difference is, is that Devin got better. Uh, he developed. He learned more you know, he became a better fighter. Ryan is who the fuck Ryan is. Uh, I got a big right or left hand, and I'm just going to try to land that left. And that's all he's ever depended on. Uh, And I saw a decent little change in him against Derek James, but it took Derek to just kind of put it in his fucking head, do what the hell I tell you to do, stop doing that stupid-ass shoulder roll you're trying to pull because you don't know how to adjust to a guy that's attacking you, which he should know at this point in his career. But I just think that guys develop different. Devin's developed into a way better fighter than what they were in their amateurs. Ryan's the same guy he was in the amateurs, in my opinion. There's not uh, any difference in him uh, right now, so I'm not big on him fighting Devin. But if it happens, it's a fight I'm definitely watching. Uh, also, like I said, I mentioned Jose Ramirez. He signed on with Golden Boy, turned down $2 million to fight Teofimo Lopez, guys. Is that fear? Because it's Golden Boy going to give you $2 million for any fight? Hell no, man. Oscar ain't going to fucking pay you. So for you to turn down a fight against Teofimo Lopez for $2 million, I don't know what your financial situation is, but that seems kind of silly. Just to go sign on with uh, Golden Boy, who half the time doesn't pay their fighters or doesn't live up to their agreements. So, I mean, good luck with that. Uh, He doesn't have a great stable over there outside of Ryan Garcia at 140. So, I mean, you got Jack Catterall, Uh, Montana Love, those guys, I guess he could fight him against in Matchroom, a couple Matchroom guys they could uh, match him up against, but Catterall didn't impress me with his last outcome, and Montana Love got knocked slick out, so we may not see him back in the ring for a while, especially with Matchroom, who may end up dropping. He might have only had like a three-fight deal with him, so that might have been his last fight with him. Anyways, guys, that is it for the show, baby. That's all I got for you guys, man. Thank you for joining me for the first show in 2024, man, on Bourbon and Boxing. Once again, man, hit me up on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. All you got to say is Alexa, play Bourbon and Boxing. My shit will pop up on the newest episode, man. I try to keep it updated twice a week, Monday recaps, Friday breakdowns. Uh, Also catch me on my YouTube channel where I put my show up every Saturday now. I used to do Fridays. I do my recording on Friday, and I get it uploaded for you guys by noon on Saturday, especially if they at the only time I'll give it to you on Friday now is if there if there's early fights in the UK on Saturday, then I'll try to upload it for you on Friday. But outside of that, if the fights are over here in the States, I'll get it to you usually by the afternoon on Saturday. I'll pre schedule it to be uploaded. But definitely tune in guys. Check my group out on Facebook, Bourbon and Boxing, where I keep you up on all the latest news, schedules, all that cool stuff that comes with boxing, man. Like I said, bourbon and boxing baby. Where the drink is bourbon. And the talk is boxing, man. Thank you for joining me. Once again, I am your host, Jeff. This is episode 39. Thank you, guys.